0: Welcome to the fourth episode of BAI Communications Smart Communities podcast, where we speak with business leaders and
1: industry experts to ask them what the future holds for connectivity. In this episode, we are excited to be joined by Dan Winson, the founder and CEO of Zetify. Interviewing him is Stephen Farugia, Chief Technology Officer of BAI Communications Australia, talking about solving connectivity problems for people and business in regional areas, and the exciting technologies for smarter farming that coverage will enable.
0: Hi, I'm Sue Perugia, the CTO of BAI Communications Australia. Welcome to our Smart Communities podcast. It's my pleasure to welcome Dan Winson, the founder and CEO of Zetify, a startup that is designing and manufacturing wireless network devices for rural and remote areas. Welcome, Dan. Thanks, Steve. Dan, can you tell us a bit about Zetify and the role you play in connecting farms and rural communities?
1: Definitely love to. So, um, yeah, we're a startup based in Wagga Wagga, New South Wales. There's a team of 15 full-time staff here. We're building products for a very specific niche market, which is the rural and remote connectivity. So essentially farmers and other people that are in areas where the traditional telecommunication carriers can't economically reach them. We're building devices that fill in the gaps and extend the range of existing networks so that they can have better internet so that they can have uh, Wi Fi calling across properties and so that they, they can uh, adopt ag tech and make use of smart machinery and the like.
0: What's the biggest challenge with trying to roll out that sort of connectivity?
1: Uh, there's a few. Um, obviously, the key one and the thing that we're trying to solve that others um, haven't really tackled in this space is how do you build a, a network that works when your budget is uh, for a, a agricultural application, not for mining or infrastructure? Like if we're talking about how Rio Tinto do this, they can put out private LTE and it works incredibly well, but mm-hmm. the budget's got to be there to make that work. Yes. Uh, to do it on a farm, you need to come up with a way of doing it at a cost that actually delivers a good return on investment So that's the first challenge. And that's one we've sold using technology. The second challenge, and this actually ties into it, is um, who's going to do it? You need someone out on the ground there to physically install it. And using traditional vendors' equipment, which is my background, um, using Cisco or Ubiquiti or Meraki or pick, pick a vendor, they all make great gear. But they make it for the enterprise sector and they make it for SMEs. They haven't really optimized it for use in the bush. And one of the key things there is that you need a network technician or engineer to, to deploy it and configure it and manage it. All of our gear has been built from the ground up uh, to be remotely managed, remotely deployed. And we use smart hands in the form of local electricians. So we're employing local labor, people that can get out there quickly to get it deployed and if necessary, get out there to, to maintain it. Um, and that keeps the cost down because we're not having to fly in technicians to do it, and it means that we've built something that's really scalable because there's workforces right across the country, right across the world, maintaining the electrical side of things, and we can tap into that to deploy the uh, the data side as well. Um, Australia has got the, the biggest problem in the world when it comes to connectivity due to the, the, just the nature of our continent. And that's um, driven the necessity of, of, um, of developing this technology. And it's not like we invented uh, Wi-Fi, although one of, our, uh, one of our advisors did, Dave mm-hmm. um But, uh, but um, yeah, we, we, we're copying um, from, and standing on the shoulders of the people who went before us. So the companies like Ubiquiti and Cisco that have, uh, that have built great gear has, has got us part of the way there. And then it's been the innovations we've seen from farmers, like it was three years ago that I, uh, I met a guy named Andrew Seville, a farmer uh, from up near Derrenbandy, who had built his own 53 meter tower in order to get Wi-Fi across his property. And uh, at the time I was teaching Cisco classes and one of the students brought this to my attention. I, I hunted down Andrew's phone number and gave him a call. and. Um, that's when I started to understand just how big this opportunity was and how much it was needed, uh, because not yes. every farmer is going to build a 50 metre tower. But there's plenty that will uh, work with a company like Zetify that can help them implement a uh, farm wide Wi-Fi network.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. Now, I guess that um, connectivity provides a great um, backbone for other things in the future. What um, other emerging technologies do you think will be using um, the Zetify network going forward?
1: Uh, well. I'm, like everyone, I've been excited by IoT for a long time. And, and even though we're like the Internet of Things, we're not directly uh, working in that space, but we certainly enable it in, in two ways. And I think that's something that's really starting to hit its strides. Companies like FarmBot uh, are putting products out there that are, are being widely adopted uh, for monitoring water. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a farmer's most important resource or maybe second most important after time. Um, but it's certainly critical. And, uh, and, and companies like FarmBot are doing a great job with low bandwidth sensors that get data into the cloud via various methods, say LoRaWAN via NNNCO's systems or, or, or a satellite over Miriota or others and then that gets your data into the cloud where Zedify steps in is is getting it back to your dashboard on your phone we sort of close that loop so that's that's uh, that's where i think that being able to close that loop and allowing farmers to actually have access to that data when they need it to make decisions is is has been the missing step and i think that us coming into market at scale is really going to see um yeah see the iot side of things also uh picked up by more farmers another one is seeing some of the uh market leaders starting to embrace technology in, in a much bigger way. Companies like Gallagher and Shearwell, who make devices that all farmers have got on their farms, like electric fence uh, energizers and of course the EID, so the electronic ID for cattle and sheep ear tags. Mm-hmm. Um, those sorts of devices are starting to support Wi-Fi. And, and I think that's a, a critical step. Um, not all farmers are ready to jump out there and, and invest in brand new technology that they've never needed and and, and think they don't need now. But um, EID has been legislated in some states and it's been widely adopted right across the industry. And many farmers are still scanning all of that into a laptop and then having to go back to the farmhouse and, and do their bookwork at night. And if they find they made an error, they may have to go back the next day and scan them all again, which is um, less than ideal. Um, with a connected device, which a lot of the newer models are, are fully connected via Wi-Fi, and a ZFI Rover, our product that goes on the Ute or on the, the tractor, it's yeah. possible for the farmer to be connected in real time. They can upload that data while they're down in the yards, and that can just save an enormous amount of time and reduce the risk of uh, of not collecting the information you need to to get the job done the, right the first time.
0: Yeah, and these revisits out into the paddock can actually take hours, can't they? It's not just a exactly. um, five minute walk down the road. So that's right. Yeah. Amazing. So that's really important. Um, obviously, what you're doing is seems to be complementary to what's happening with the MNOs and neutral host providers as well in terms of um, you're using um, MNO networks um, and neutral host networks to provide your backhaul. How's that working at the moment?
1: Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. So we're carrier agnostic as far as backhaul goes. We're all about, um, we will help customers get backhaul to their property working with a wireless internet service provider or with a satellite provider uh, with NBN, of course, we work very closely with them. We also work with Telstra and Optus and, and we've even connected some people to the low earth orbit satellites via Starlink, which is quite quite exciting. Yes. Um Yeah, we're neutral with the backhaul. We're all about filling in the gaps and extending that range. And, And I do think that there's a massive opportunity there. It's working incredibly well already on farms. And I think there's a lot of potential for this model to work at a wider scale across uh, communities. Uh, that's something that we're very passionate about filling in the mobile black spots, and we've done some pilots with the support of Birchip Cropping Group mm-hmm. to actually use farm infrastructure to fill in uh, public roads. And the Birchip yeah. Cropping Group staff have got some of our rovers, which are typically put on top of tractors. They've got them on their Utes, which is fine until you go through the Birchip Bottle Shop, and that's taken a few dents. Well, now we've snapped a few antennas, but we're working on that as well. But um, It does mean that they can now drive around the region and be connected both to Telstra and Optus via the the, um, bonded connection we've got on these devices. But the the more exciting part is that we can, with a very low-cost Wi-Fi repeater, actually fill in the gaps in that mobile network and they can have uninterrupted calls as long as they're driving in places where we've got farms that are connected. So by getting the farm connected, we provide a lot of benefits to the agricultural sector and to that individual farm and all the social benefits that come to their family. But I think what we've stumbled on is actually a model that can solve the the mobile black spot problem on many public roads as well.
0: Yeah, that's really exciting because, as we both know, there's a lot of black spots on roads throughout Australia. It's a very big country, lots of roads and not a lot of density on those roads. So, exactly. yeah, yeah, huge black spot issue. So it's really a kind of a mixed private network for the farmer on his own farm or her own farm and a public network in terms of that connectivity across the smart uh, communities to try and i guess raise that smart community type environment for everyone so it's you're making the we're joining the dots i guess between having no connectivity being able to make phone calls, which is uh, almost a obligation for everyone to be able to do that in a country like Australia, and then looking at how you can use the technology more widely to um, make things more efficient. So we talked a little bit about those tractors and making them more efficient um, and looking at how some of the other devices can become more efficient as well. Is there any other areas that you think that uh, the farmers and the communities could th- make efficiency gains or... Um, that's sort of thing absolutely definitely,
1: definitely um like f- f- farms are just another business it just happens that a farmer can't just be a uh, a grower of things um, they've also got to be a mechanic and a business person and an accountant and an engineer and everything else that they need to be to, to run their business yep. so there's there's a massive opportunity for for improving efficiencies and profitability and the whole sector's aiming for $100 billion uh, of output by 2030, which is an increase from the the 70-odd that we're at now. And uh, Professor David Lamb from Food Agility this week stated that he thinks that might be underselling it. he thinks we might be able to see um, even more increases there, uh, both through education and and adoption of best practice and through technology and connectivity. So NBN estimates that improved connectivity would be a, a, um, a value to farms of about $16 billion of output a year. Um, wow. So yeah, there's a huge amount. And where does that come from? Well, really simple things for starters, being able to use Zoom, being able to use email when you're in the paddock, rather than rather than having to drive back to the, the house to make use of those tools so that you mm-hmm. get more done in your day. Um, from autonomous machinery, of course, uh, we're, yes. we're on the cusp of seeing that. And well, we, I shouldn't say that. We, we are seeing it. There are production systems running out there from companies like Swarm Farm, the Swarm Bots, that that are working. They're selling them and they're out there. We've got um, Zetify devices on top of Swarm Farm robots that are providing the connectivity um, in remote areas, so that the farmer can steer these things or just set them to, to work and and leave them to it. But we are on the cusp of seeing that from the mass manufacturers, the Case IHs and the, the New Holland's and the John Deere's are um, very busy acquiring companies that can help them be the first to market with that and spending a lot of money in, in, in trying to be the first to do it. And it's very exciting to see uh, the progress that they're making. Of course, connectivity has a part to play in that as well. So we, we're positioning ourselves to be a, a leader in that space. And I think that's going to be the one that really drives the, the market to make use of, uh, of, uh, of technology and connectivity.
0: Yeah, so Dan, we talked a little bit about smart communities and the connectivity that ZFI Solution actually provides, not just to the farmers, but to the communities as well. What sort of benefits will the communities get, do you think, out of that enhanced connectivity?
1: So I think solving this connectivity or the digital divide or the digital inclusion, whatever you want to call it, in rural areas, is um, it is not just an agricultural problem. It's really about the whole community. And it's not all about ZFI by any stretch. There's so many other players in this space and we're just one part of the solution and one, one company solving one part of that solution. I think... The, the benefit of of solving this problem it really addresses a lot of the, the fundamental societal questions uh, and, and challenges, things like education, like look at what happened during COVID and then imagine for a second how that experience would have been 20 years ago had you not had, had mobile or, or broadband being able to have, um, I've got three kids and, and each day having three of them on Zoom at the same time, it's like, wow, this is actually pretty cool when you think about these packets are leaving my phone, my wife's phone, the computer over there, and they're all going out here into a classroom over here, and it's coming back, and you've got a five-year-old sitting there turning pages on a book and reading to a classmates. Yes.
0: Like,
1: 20 years ago, that would have been impossible. Unfortunately, on a lot of farms, that's still impossible. You can't do that, with at least with that many devices. They certainly it struggle.
0: Basically, um, goes get, to school of the air, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, um, if you take the connectivity out of it and you're stuck using you know, you know, HF radio, then the experience is incredibly different. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that's education's one. Medicals the other uh, area where there's, and telehealth, an, an emerging area where um, rural people have traditionally been somewhat, dis- well, not somewhat, but significantly disadvantaged when it comes to health outcomes, and yes. that's, that can be solved with connectivity because, uh, or at least the the damage can be largely mitigated with connectivity. Mm -hmm. Um, Keeping people connected from a social point of view and and giving people some downtime as well. Everyone wants Netflix and it's often put out there and people laugh if I talk about farmers wanting Netflix. And uh, at first it seems like, oh, that's, a joke, because so, I know we're quite serious. Like, farmers work incredibly hard, and at the end of the day, they deserve to go home and have some downtime. You need that. And um, most of us are making use of connected technology to make use of that downtime, so farms are the same.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, the whilst we are getting better connectivity at fixed locations, that mobile um, requirement is still there, isn't it? Because people do want to walk into their gardens. They want to go to the yeah. park and still be connected.
1: Exactly, and yeah, out on the roads, like the, the people that we're working with are often on the. They're either the farmers who are on the, yeah, on the farm needing to be connected, or they're driving into town. So they're taking these things that we bought to put on tractors, and they're putting them on there uh, on the Prada. They look kind of funny once you get them on there. You look a bit like a fishing trawler because the three big antennas on it. Isn't? Yes, you see an example here. This is yep. an early model, but the new one has three. So you you stick that on top of a Prado and it does look a little funny, but people don't care at the minute because they just want to stay connected. The passenger vehicle version of that's in the pipeline. But um, yeah, they need to be connected and they need to be connected everywhere. Um, Like my kids, I know when we're driving desperately want to, why can't I play my Nintendo Switch? And it's like, well, you're not on the internet what do you mean I'm not on the internet? I don't yes. get it because we're in town. Um, but yeah, if we can solve that problem, it's not just about keeping the kids Nintendo working. It's like if you break down and you need to make a phone call, um, it's, a, it's a safety issue as well. And yes. both on-farm and off-farm, there's legitimate reasons to have connectivity everywhere for safety. And for business productivity, look like at companies like Elders, Nutrien, uh, Delta Ag, um, those three companies, and Auctions Plus as well, those four companies will be trialling the 5G version of our rover uh, under the 5G Innovation Initiative. So that's a project that we're running um, to demonstrate the potential of the 5G network. Yes. And we're putting devices on farms, but also in agricultural businesses that mm-hmm. are uh, travelling around areas where there's not much coverage. And we're going to see what can the 5G low-band network, like we're not naive enough to think we're going to get them on millimetre wave or anything, but um, we're hoping that Telstra's 5G low-band network will make Mm -hmm. a a big difference to the level of connectivity in in these areas and give better coverage as well.
0: Yeah, excellent. That's really good. And where do you think BAI can play a part in helping enable this um, agricultural business um, sector the agricultural sector improving their efficiency and helping those communities become smarter through technology.
1: So um, as a leading provider and manager of infrastructure, I think BAI's definitely got a role to play in, in solving this problem through Australia um, with your established presence, your towers, and your and your desire to become a a, a neutral host provider. And that's something that's ve- it's very new. This whole um, concept of having a neutral host provider in Australia, mm-hmm. but I do think that it does make a lot of sense. We're going to have Telstra and Optus. Uh, competing on macro cells and competing on coverage, and we need to maintain that competition. I believe, and I think the C's position on that is, is yes. fundamentally correct that um, that allowing carrier roaming would actually, long term, give us some disadvantages because it removes the need for competition. And um, I, I think if we want to see continued investment in macro cells, that the c's position that, um, that that carrier roaming should not be mandated is is correct, even though that. In the short term, does mean there's a, a challenge there that people could have coverage on both networks if they if they had that carrier roaming. I think they're better off with having those guys investing. To fill in the gaps where there's a need, but not quite enough need for either of them to invest, I can see companies like BAI, um, like FSG, like um, Pivotel, um, the, the companies that are putting themselves out there as, as um, alternative providers for, for neutral host infrastructure mm-hmm. have, have definitely got a role to play and BAI is in a very strong position to take a lead on that, I, I think. And then um, I'm hoping as well that BII and and, and others will um, see that there's a need to take it that next tier down, which is, look, there's not enough population density to justify even a a small cell, even if it was neutral host and everyone can access it. You're still talking about a couple of hundred thousand dollars. It's probably not feasible to put in LTE here. But what we can do is tap into the one we put down the road and get it on some power poles. And if we like, right now we're looking at a cost to do that of like five to seven thousand dollars, and that only gives you a few kilometers of line of sight coverage, but that's still pretty significant when it's 100 times cheaper than the next best alternative, and that's at a pretty small scale. We've only got 15 people here and we're building them here in Wagga. If -hmm. we can um, increase our outputs and drive those costs down, it's not unrealistic to think that we could have tens of thousands of power poles lit up with Zetify's sleepy Wi-Fi. So we've got a a patent pending on technology that allows us to put these things to sleep and then wake them up on demand Mm -hmm. um, over enough range that basically a car can be travelling, it wakes up, car connects, car goes past, goes back to sleep, which means we can minimize the size of the solar panels and batteries um, to the point where they're, it's a pretty small bit of kit and um, it'll provide the coverage needed at a very low cost. So that, that, that's kind of the dream. That's what we're working towards.
0: So that, that was really interesting, Dan. And like I knew Absolutely. some of this stuff already, so it was really good to actually have a chat to you about it and learn a bit more from you as well. So it's been really enjoyable catching up with you. Um, and understanding a bit more about what you're trying to achieve through ZFI and how you're trying to enable smart communities in regional Australia.
1: Thanks, Steve. Really appreciate it.